A very warm welcome to this service of choral evensong from St Paul's Cathedral for the feast of the birth of John the Baptist. John's birth is heralded by the visit of an angel, and even before his birth we see his significance in the story of our salvation. His leaping in his mother's womb when she greets Mary is understood as a great alleluia in anticipation of the birth of the Messiah, and all four Gospels speak of John as Christ's forerunner. When John appeared in the wilderness, he was wearing clothing made from camel hair and eaten insects and honey. He had a big voice and a powerful message about the kingdom of God, and he called people to repentance and to life in all its fullness. As Psalm 80, the psalm appointed for today reminds us, Turn us again, O Lord God of hosts, show the light of thy countenance, and we shall be whole. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. For God makes me to save us. O Lord, make haste to help us. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised.
Here begins the fourth chapter of the prophecy of Malachi. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you, who revere my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the storm, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the teaching of my servant Moses, the statutes and ordinances that I commanded him at Horeb, for all Israel. Lo, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents, so that I will not come and strike the land with a curse. Here ends the first lesson.
Here begins the second verse of the 11th chapter of the Gospel according to St Matthew. When John heard in prison what the Messiah was doing, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or are we to await for another? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offence at me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who wear soft robes are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I tell you, among those born of woman, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John came, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. Let anyone with ears listen. But to what will I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Here ends the second lesson.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. and all just works to proceed. 
May I speak in the name of the Holy and Blessed Trinity, one God in three persons. Amen. I've often wondered what it felt like to be John the Baptist. We only really have scraps of information about him from the Gospels. Luke tells us that John and Jesus were related, though not how they were related. Simply that Elizabeth, John's mother, was a relative of Mary, Jesus's mother. The other Gospels, however, imply that John and Jesus did not know each other particularly well, so the connection between them seems not to have been very close. One factor on which all four Gospels agree is that John was very clear that his role was simply to point to Jesus. He was not the light, not the Messiah, not even worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus's sandals. So what did it feel like to be that person? Always second and never first. Always the one pointing to someone else. John was clearly a powerful person, a big presence. His call for repentance, his baptising in the Jordan, grew a great crowd. He had disciples of his own. Indeed, his message was so strong that ultimately it led to his death at the hands of Herod. John was no shy flower, content to hide away while others led. Yet he never pointed to himself, only ever onwards to Jesus. Such an attitude was counterintuitive at the time of Jesus, and even more so for us today. Something deep within us demands that we put ourselves forward, blow our own trumpets, take credit for even the tiniest of contributions. But John the Baptist shows us another way. He was passionate, clearly articulate and persuasive, and had a clear message and vision of God, and used all of that to point not to himself, but to Jesus. The more you think about it, the more clear it becomes that John inhabited the kingdom of God and everything it stood for. The kingdom that both John and Jesus proclaimed was one in which status was unimportant, in which those at the bottom of the pile were cherished and valued, and in which God and God's rule of justice and peace took central place. John the Baptist modelled for us in word and deed what it meant to be a citizen of God's kingdom. No wonder Jesus said that among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. John is a towering exemplar of how to live in God's kingdom. There is no better example of how to do it. But that brings us to the second half of that verse, which we heard in our New Testament lesson a few moments ago, which seems odd and perplexing. Truly I tell you, Jesus said, among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John the Baptist. Yet, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why on earth would he say that? Over the years, scholars have wrestled long and hard with this half verse, trying to work out what Jesus might have meant. Does it mean that John didn't make it into the kingdom at all? Does it mean that he isn't to be regarded as on a par with other Christians? Probably not. The message might, in fact, be far more simple than that. 
and in it reinforces what we already know about the kingdom of God, where the first will be last and the last first. John was indeed a towering example of how to live in the kingdom, so he would have been the very first to say that in that kingdom he was not to be treated better or differently than anyone else. The topsy-turvy rules of the kingdom require him to take his place at the bottom of the heap. This, I think, was something he would have done easily and naturally, as he did in his proclamation of Jesus. So, what did it feel like to be John the Baptist? It seems that John understood kingdom values so well that it felt normal and natural to point beyond himself, to displace himself from the centre of everything, and to take his place as least in the kingdom. These kingdom values are profoundly hard to live. The Christian church has wrestled, and largely failed, to live up to them for 2,000 years. They're no easier to live today than ever they were. But John shows us how. On this eve of the feast of his birth, let us give thanks for his example. Let us pray for the courage to follow in his footsteps and the strength to displace ourselves with all of our love of power and status from the centre of our lives. And just as he did, to point to Jesus instead. Amen. In peace, let us pray. We pray for the church throughout the world. Within the worldwide Anglican Communion, we pray for the church in the Congo, and especially for the people of the Diocese of Nord Kivu and for Bishop Muhindu, and for the church in Australia, and especially for the people of the Diocese of Armadale and for Bishop Richard. Within our companion diocese of Nyasa and Mozambique, we pray for the people of the district of Rio Chiri and for all who minister to them. Within the Diocese of London, we pray for Bishop Sarah and for all preparing for ordination. And as the Church give thanks today for the life and witness of St John the Baptist, we pray for all who have the courage to speak out against injustice and oppression. Give us, O God, something of the spirit of your servant John the Baptist, his moral courage, his contentment with simplicity, his refusal to be fettered by this world, his faithfulness in witness to the end. So may we be heralds of Christ and his kingdom and make ready his way to the glory of his name. Amen. Mindful that John the Baptist was imprisoned for his prophetic ministry, we pray for all prisoners and captives. We pray, Father, for those whose freedom has been taken from them, for all who suffer imprisonment, whether for crime or for conscience sake, for all whose vision of your world is seen through bars, and in whose heart the lamp of hope burns low. God of mercy, give them help according to their need, and hear our prayer for Jesus Christ's sake. 
Amen. And now, in a time of silence, let us offer our own prayers to God. May God Almighty direct our days in his peace and grant us the gifts of his blessing. May he deliver us in all our troubles and establish our minds in the tranquility of his peace. May he so guide us through things temporal that we finally lose not the things eternal. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.